Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. I'm your co-host, Christopher Mukigana-Harrington. Joined from the state of New York, from the last time from the studio apartment, Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston, the mover. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm. I'm this is the last time again. One last time. The last time. I've uh, I've moved furniture. I've moved beds, couches. I've moved a couch all the way across this municipality to to the other side of town and uh, discovered that the couch doesn't even fit in the new apartment. Had to give it away. Oh no! So I've got oh, you gave it away already. Yeah, I just gave it away. Screw it. I don't want it anymore. It's, it's this this the new apartment is smaller than the current apartment and we we got the uh the u-haul moved the couch over there got it inside the new apartment and i was like this isn't gonna work at all this living room is way too small for this big curvy couch let's just take it to the goodwill and that's what we did and uh there's still more to do i have to clean this apartment out to avoid getting my security deposit withheld so I've got just until Tuesday at 10 a.m. the final inspection. So as soon as My we're goodness. done, as soon did as you we're get done, any of your uh, your students to uh, recognize that they could become be better professional wrestlers by helping you move? One of my students did help me move the furniture. Yes. Uh, oh, he, he was he was compensated good. though. I, he was paid a, a fair wage. Uh, oh. And, um, <laughs> because I, they so you weren't you, to, you weren't a pro wrestling promoter as as uh, some would. Alligate. No, no. So, yeah, I've got to clean this thing out. I've, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've got to get rid of a bunch of things. I've got more stuff back in the room. Yeah. So this will maybe an uncut version of the uh, WrestleNomics radio here. Usually there are many edits and there are many tangents and uh, socialist uh, rants that I go on that are usually edited out of this program, but not today. There's not, not enough time to do all that editing today. This week. No, no, you gotta go across town. You gotta mm. become part of South Tonawanda and uh, leave your North Tonawanda home. That's right. I've had enough of North Tonawanda. I'm moving to South Tonawanda. No, I'm moving to the city of Buffalo. So, yeah. Wait, weren't you gonna wrestle on a show yet last night? Did so you I wrestle? So I wrestled last night. Yeah, I did. I did some additional moving in the morning, afternoon, and then I wrestled in Fort Erie, Ontario, last night for Border Town Pro Wrestling, and I teamed with Terrell Kenneth. Yeah. We are the patron saints of professional wrestling. We wrestled the fraternity of Channing Decker, Channing Decker, and Bradford Montague, and uh, yeah, we lost, but it was it was a good match. Uh, yeah, good time. Did you say his name is Bradford Montague? I believe that's how it's pronounced. That is an incredible name. Yes. The so this is our second uh, audio uh, video broadcast for the uh, the week here. Uh, we yeah. thought we'd try it again. 
Um, it's always fun too, because then we can, you know, do uh, YouTube comments. If anyone does want to comment while we're going on, if you are a premium subscriber to WrestleNomics, you get our WrestleNomics premium content, which included Thursday all day coverage where we put out our notes. We put out a, uh, audio visual presentation. We put out, uh, the podcast version of that audio visual pro- presentation. We gave the $10 patrons access to all of the files, uh, that we've been doing. I was just uploading some more today onto the Islamics drive. And of course we answer questions and uh, look at other things. So what you might hear on this uh, episode is going to be a little bit of a repeat of what we talked about on Thursday, but uh, the thousands of you that do not yet subscribe thousands, Brandon, thousands. thousands. How does that feel? <laughs> that, that, that feels like uh, there's a lot of room to, uh, for me to, to possibly quit my job here. If, if the thousands would just sign up. Yeah, it's we right now we're at WWE stock at the $40 level. It's uh we never thought we'd get there. That's true. But look, $80 is right around the corner for all we know. Yep, so, yep. uh but for the thousands you haven't heard us uh, go through the rant, we'll quickly go through some of the information um and there's a little bit more of a nuanced view on some of this because uh obviously we've had a few more days to to analyze and and consider but uh, overall, it's going to be a lot of the same material. So uh, we also hope to supplement it with a little bit more Barrios talk, as we always have on this uh, this channel here. Because uh, Brandon, you know, it was fun tweeting things out on uh, Thursday, and then it takes a few days for people to catch up. And so on Friday, I had a very interesting conversation. Did you? Yes, I, I was uh, called uh, by a reporter from a major uh, newspaper. Major I, one. I will not say which major. newspaper yet, because I'm hoping this becomes an article of mm. some sort. But, you know, maybe it will never happen. And then I will just seem like a, like I was making this whole thing up, which yes. I'd rather just not say anything about which one it was and then seem like uh, mysterious rather than just be a straight up liar. A major um, publication. Was it, yes. a, was it Life, uh, Life Magazine? It could have been. It could have been. It could have been for highlights. It could have been for highlights. any one of the numerous people who enjoy talking about WWE uh, on a given day. But uh, they asked me a lot of questions about the stock, and it was more of a a uh, column that was not as much about a factual take on things as much as maybe saying it was a take on the, uh, you know, the 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 idea that there's a lot lot of enthusiasm for the stock right now and that maybe it's a good investment maybe it's not a good investment or but why why the heck is it doing this you know if we look at this five-year chart uh, which hopefully is popped up on yeah. your screen right now can you zoom in on that um yeah i'll zoom in on that a little bit bring that in oh, yeah. uh it go. starts out and you can see 2014 it was nine dollars and 91 cents about five years ago on august 16th 2013 and then we had this giant run in 2014 where the stock went as high as $31 in early March. And then finally, they announced their new deal in May, and the stock crashed from 17 bucks to 11 bucks, almost overnight. Really bad time. And then the stock has just slowly been climbing up. They go ahead. They launch the network. You know, the numbers aren't always as good as they hope it's going to be. And they're climbing up, and now they're in the $20 range in the late 20. Uh, 15 and then they're in the $17 range in 2016 and then they're in the 18 19 range in 2017 and then midway through 2017 things start getting hot where the stock starts creeping up and creeping up and by say uh November of 2017 we're up to 27 bucks and by 
January of 2018, we're actually above $31. We've now beat the all-time high here for this WWE stock, or at least the the relative all-time high. And then there's this cliff, right? You can see here between March of 2018, it was at $35. And by July of 2018, it's at $83 and uh, closed on Friday at $81.75. Uh, so this is really, to me, the cliff. You know, this is the, the – there's a whole lot of things that must be going into what's happening in WWE for them to explode in this way. And some of it has to be driven by actual financials, and some of this has to be driven but just by boundless hope and hype. And we see boundless hope and hype had an effect in 2014, but not nearly the effect that we're seeing now, partially because they've delivered on at least one of the most major initiatives, the domestic TV deals con contract. Yeah. I, I would guess this slow growth in 2016 and 17 is sort of this, this cautious optimism about what, what's the next round of TV rights fees going to be like. And as we get closer and closer to them announcing the deal, the optimism gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, and, and you know, in March of 2014, I remember that there was rumors circulating all around. And I, I wrote a What Culture column about it at the time. And there's all these rumors that, you know, AMC was really interested or A&E was really interested in WWE programming and all this other stuff. And that one of them was going to do a big, you know, either takeover bid or they were going to uh, bid a whole bunch of money to get raw. Mm -hmm. So talking to this reporter. Um, the, one of the questions he, he kind of asked me is he just goes, you know, George is a smart cookie, right? And, you know, he, he's the guy to trust. He, he gets it right. And I gave him kind of my WrestleNomics answer of, of Brandon and I, I did not mention his WrestleNomics, uh, hall of fame induction, Brandon. I'm oh, sorry. Come on. Uh, but uh, I, I just basically said, I think he's really good at talking to investors. I think he really wants to be the head of a new media company. Mm -hmm. And I think he very much is excited that WWE is in a position where they can greatly increase their value as live entertainment. I don't know if he knows a thing about the business of professional wrestling. And to this reporter, all he looks at is the stock and he says, who cares? It doesn't matter. What, what does it matter if he doesn't know the names of the major stars? And my whole point was when I read this review of what happened in Q2, there are some warning signs to me. There are some some uh, some bells, some what are they called? Klaxons or something that are going off in the back of my head. I'd say hmm, maybe something, you know, that's the, that's like the alarm noise, like maybe it's on a starship. But uh, it, it's it's just there's certain little things that kind of irk me but at the same time it's money it's real money almost all of this is based on real money as, as much as i try to discount the saudi deal it's based on real money that they're going to receive mm -hmm. um so I, I think, what we're going to do i think george has, has done a lot to guide wb through these tv rights deals and he's done a lot to understand new media in the right way especially when there's a lot of skepticism i think from the investment community probably in general and definitely from the wrestling media commentary community whatever that means like i mean not, not that george necessarily cares about what those people say but just that there's a lot of a lot of doubt about like well what, what does all this social media mean and, and we still don't know a great deal about what it really means in terms of finances um but uh you know tv tv ratings were going down over these years over this this very graph that we're looking at tv ratings mostly declined and uh there's a lot of uh you know, worry about, well, if TV ratings are down, how are they going to get a, a, another increase in TV rights uh, when the next round comes around here in 2018, 19? 
and uh, but they did, and uh, he 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 made these deals, helped make these deals anyway happen, and uh, that's why he is a WrestleNomics Hall of Famer uh, himself, and Michelle Wilson. And, and, and- he and Michelle are obviously being rewarded for their position by becoming co-presidents this year. Yeah. And part of that ev- elevation has been um, what I'd consider a business consolidation where they have taken power throughout the company. There is many lines that used to report to Vince McMahon that no longer report to them. International used to be its own separate line going straight up. And it used to be that there was probably four or five different EVPs that were going up through the company. And now it's George and Michelle. And in a, in a sense, I would actually say it's the comeback story from Michelle Wilson because she stayed with it for, for this whole period here. You kind of would have thought maybe George would be the one that would get all the way up, but you do see Michelle actually also being um, brought up with him and that they've now reconsolidated all of the lines of, of reporting so that it pretty much goes up through either Michelle or George. And I don't know if that many other people report to Vince McMahon anymore. Yeah, and you know, we went through this period right after the network was launched in 2014, where there were all these different W network czars. Uh, you probably remember the names of them better than I do. Well, I mean, there was the network czars. Yeah, exactly. There was um, uh, Perkins Miller, Lou Schwartz, was Lou Schwartzman, who was the uh, the CIO or the 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 it kind of side of guy mm-hmm. there was obviously uh, a fox was her name lisa and fox or something like lisa that Lee fox i believe yeah and and a couple other people um who who came through and it was always this question of who's in charge who's in charge and and you know george in one of his calls that at uh was kind of unregulated at one of these investor conferences i actually put that question in the uh the the q a thing and they asked him and he basically is like i guess you could say all of us are in charge yeah and of course they are i do believe very focused on the wwe network i will say so much of what in my mind has been the improvement on the wwe network has probably actually come from the other teams that have been working on the data analytics side where you get to uh, what is it tandy o'donohue and her analytics team that works on a lot of that stuff yeah so uh just just around as we go through this here, uh, I'd like to end with just kind of a second take on what is it that we think uh, was good about Q2 and then what is the future for WWE right now? Because the WrestleMania quarter is usually a fascinating quarter because not only does it have the high revenue of WrestleMania, but usually actually has the low profitability of WrestleMania, where it's actually one of their least profitable quarters sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this weird dichotomy. Because that's because so of... So I'm going to share that's because my screen. Of, real quick, that's because of... We now live in this sort of post pay per view world where you're going to get a lot of the money that you're that WrestleMania is drawing throughout the year, right? Because you're because WrestleMania is almost a loss leader now instead of being this one event that you're going to pay sixty dollars for or whatever it is. The hope is that you're offering WrestleMania as part of this OTT service for nine ninety nine a month. People subscribe and they stay subscribed year round. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if WrestleMania ever was the profit-leading quarter for WWE. I would have to go back and really check um, how it's been. I know since 2014 it's been bad. I mean, I can I can show that you know very easily on um you know, I have it for 2015 just sitting here in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm looking at is you know what is the media margin for WWE on uh operating income as a percentage i don't know how visible this is to people i can zoom in a little bit uh maybe are you able to read this at all brandon uh i can kind of see it on my view it's okay i think it needs to be zoomed in on though yeah 
Yeah. Go, 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 go to view. See where it says 100%. Just make that bigger. Ha-ha! There we go. All right. Um, so just to kind of put in that in perspective. So Q, Q 2015, uh, Q1 was WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. 2016, Q2 was WrestleMania. 2017, Q2 was WrestleMania. 2018, Q2 is WrestleMania. And the thing you'll notice is in each one of these times, the media percentage for uh, operating income percentage is way down. So in 2015, the margin percentage, the operating income percentage for uh, uh, the media segment, which includes, you know, uh, a lot of the money that they're getting through pay-per-view and but more over the WWE network, it's 8% in Q1. And then it jumps up to 16% for the average for the year with a high of 23% in Q3. In 2016, it's negative 1.5. And the average for the year is 16.2. But the other three quarters are more like 22, 27, 19%. And in Q in 2017, it's 7%, whereas the next quarter, it was 33%. And the quarter after that, it was 27%. And again, that includes some TV rights in there too. But uh, just to kind of put it in perspective of like, it's WrestleMania is always a low quarter for WWE uh, in terms of the profitability, which is funny because the revenue usually spikes way up that quarter. It's because WrestleMania um, is such an expensive event to run, right? Yes. And and because they're, they're holding so many different... Um, so many different elements of what they spend for WrestleMania, both the marketing side, mm-hmm. the building side, the talent side, you know, it costs a lot to pay the rock yeah. and everything else, the travel and, and all the other events that are running with that. So, so the conclusion, but, uh, like, I'm, the conclusion I'm getting from this is that W should stop doing WrestleMania. No, that is not my conclusion. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think their accounting leaves an interesting uh, spikes and, and peaks and valleys for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I look here, if we just go through kind of what happened in this quarter, uh, what what's interesting, what's notable, what what's intriguing, uh, when we look at the revenue side here, WWE Network revenues, including pay per view, fifty six million for this quarter. Last year at this time it was fifty two. Core content rights sixty six. Last year at this time it was sixty. Advertising and sponsorship nineteen point six. Last year it was thirteen point one. Uh, and then other, and they mentioned here at the other, other forms of media monetization reflect revenues earned from the distribution of other content, including but not limited scripted reality and other in-ring programming, as well as theatrical and direct to home video. Does it so say other, anything? Does it say anything about oil money in there? No, oil money is not mentioned, but oh. uh, it did, it would include some WWE studios money. Mm. Mm. So, so maybe uh, what, what, this what, quarter, maybe, it was 60.6 last maybe, quarter. It was 11.9. So maybe it's just W studios. Those, those movies are finally paying off, right? Is that why that, that, uh, that section of the business is so big this time. I don't see anything in the 10 Q statement that I look through that suggests that's what's happening. No. What in fact I would suggest that is, is that is a giant lump sum of money that is showing up in other media rather than say live events for international. And that's the Saudi money. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the ticket sales for Saudi money, it's only 13.5 million or, or for international, it's 13.5 this quarter, 12.4 last quarter. So it's up by 1.1, but that's not a big jump. Mm. Uh, instead, I am going to guess that approximately $45 million came from uh, the GSA money this quarter. Yeah. And, and, and they're where did I get this $45 million number from? Yeah, and real quick, they're justifying putting it in that other segment because uh, it's a w, they've made it a W Network event, so like it's it's not just a live event, I guess. So it doesn't go under, under live events. 
because, well, we put it on the network, we broadcast it live and all this. So it's, it's a, you know, media content. Yeah. And you could also say, uh, that it's, it, it, it's the amount of money that, uh, uh, they are getting for a fixed, a fixed fee to produce programming, right? Much like a TV show, Mm -hmm. much like raw or SmackDown, they get that money regardless of one person shows up to the arena or 10,000. Uh-huh. So, uh, somebody online asked, uh, is this on the drive? If you're trying to follow along, it is on the drive. If you're trying to follow along, it's in the WrestleNomics folder. There's a subfolder called Harrington WrestleNomics, and then you'll see the spreadsheet WWE Q1 2015 to Q2 2018 revised segments. Uh, apologies for not calling that out in advance. So here's my first thing I'd say is, um, when we look at it, it was this segment was 8.9 last quarter. And it's 60.6 today. So that's an increase of almost $49 million. So why am I only allotting maybe $45 million? Well, the reason for that is, is if you look at how much other has gone over, uh, gone up over the last couple quarters here, it is up in Q1 versus Q1 of last year. It is up in Q4 versus Q4 of last year. It is up in Q3 versus Q3 of last year. Mm-hmm. So all three quarters trail before the Saudi deal supposedly started, we saw an increase in other. In fact, we saw a pretty big increase. I'm guessing almost 32% uh, increase. So let's say that what if this quarter was up 32% from last year? So Q2 of last year, it was 11.9. So if we say it's it's going to be about 32% higher, that'd be about a 15, 16 million quarter is what we should have expected to see. But we saw 60 so what's the difference between 60 and 15? It's about $45 million. So I am guessing it's about a $45 million deal. Now, what we do not know about this deal and what they did not answer questions on the call in a, in a meaningful way to, to address is, one, will this deal replicate anytime soon? Meaning, will we see this as an annual $45 million? Will we see it more than $45 million next year? Or will we even see more money in this year for a Saudi event? And originally when the Saudi event uh, happened, as you might recall, Brandon, I recall there was a website called the Riyadh Report, and they put out a statement saying that we would see another event in the Saudi cities somewhere either in probably October or November. I can't remember which date. I I think it's November, and that sounds about right because that's when they usually do an international tour is in November, right? So I I, I wonder is, you know, the – 45 50 maybe even 60 million dollars to do the greatest royal rumble are they going to receive another payment in november and report it i would think so but probably a smaller one and i, and yeah. I wonder what what's it going to be like next year you know this is a 10-year deal right so is, is it going to be another 40 to 50 million dollar payment next year or is it just like this was really front-loaded and the greatest royal rumble was this big one-time event that's bigger than all the rest yeah so I'm I'm guessing that it's reasonable to assume this year that we will see anywhere from 40 to 60 million dollars of Saudi money coming through. I think this 60 million dollar number that's a possibility. I really do based on, you know, everything from my own analysis of this data to talking to other people to just all the dark DMs that are out there on the web. It could be any one of those things, but uh, maybe it will be, we'll see 45 this quarter and 15 next quarter. Maybe it was 40 this quarter and 20 next quarter. You know, we don't really know what the exact details would be, 
But um, my guess is that we'll see another big number come through in Q4. And I don't think this number is going to dramatically increase. I don't think that, you know, next year it's going to be 66 and the next year it's 70, then 77. You know, I think it's going to be 60 for 10 years, 600 million, something like that. Yeah, I would be uh, surprised so they, if it's an escalating rights fee like like their TV deals. Yeah, me as well. So my my take on this is that WWE probably got about forty five million dollars of positive impact this last quarter on their revenue side because of the the GSA money, and that that is not being broken out in a meaningful way in their data. So what would be nice to do as I go through these numbers here is to make sure that I kind of compare it with and without that siding the money. Now, what makes it nice is it pretty much only hits one line, right? It pretty much hits just the other on the live, uh, I'm sorry, on the media segment um, is what it's impacting. So almost everything else on this is going to stay the same. Uh, Let's finish up just kind of going through what we saw in the numbers here, and then we can kind of do a comparison. So uh, the next big number to compare here, um, maybe I'll do this on the trending schedule for a second. Uh, is, and I'll just zoom in and see if I can pull to the right. Nope, that was not successful. There we go. We'll do it this way. Uh, sorry, got to go over here so you see my stuff. Um, we see 33.5 million for live event North American ticket sales versus 35.9 last year. So it's actually down a little bit. 13.5 versus 12.4 and 0.9. Oh, I'm sorry, for international. And then advertising and sponsorship is 0.9 versus 0.7. And then other, this other category called other is 4.4 versus 3.8. And when you go down to the footnote about what that is, it basically says it's the sale of travel packages and also commissions they get through secondary ticketing. So that's, I think they're, what is it? StubHub deal that they have? Yep. StubHub. Yeah. So, uh, so all in all, you think they're getting, media, a, they're getting a, some percentage of the StubHub sales then of the resale of ticket prices or, or yes. tickets. Yeah. And, and we see here that uh, live events were actually flat for the year. They're down 1%. It was 52.3 versus 52.8 versus total media was up 202.6 versus 137.2. But if we took out the $45 million, it would be more like uh, quickly. What is that math? 202.6 minus one. 45 million uh 155 or so 157 i get 157 yeah. yep so 158 which still would be you know Bigger maybe than... a 15 percent growth but it's yeah. a lot less than the 48 percent growth and if you look at the last three quarters for uh wwe q2 q3 q4 q1 they grew their media segment at 13 15 14 10 percent so again it makes a lot more sense to assume that the media growth is growing more like 15% a quarter year over year versus 48% because it's it's being really diluted by this one-time payment. Or not a one-time payment. It's a reoccurring of payment, but uh, this one-time bulk payment they got. Yeah. Uh, so media, big thumbs up. Uh, live events, flat. And then consumer products, 10.8 versus 9.4, 7.8 versus 6.8, 8.1 versus 8.4. I was saying what licensing, venue, merchandising, and e-commerce is. Yeah. All three of those were up about 10%, 26.7 versus 24.6. But all in all, that's not a huge consumer product segment, and nor is that a big amount of growth, mm-hmm. especially considering last quarter it was down 33%. Yeah, And that is somewhat to do with the timing of their revenue recognition on the commissions and other things on the royalties on things because of the change they have in the, the, the uh, FASB um, standard. So that's, that's harder for me to 
you know, really say is that good or bad, except for to say that's where we stand today. So all in all, when you look at where we are for WWE numbers, if we had taken out the Saudi money number, instead of being up 31% for this quarter, they would be up more like, um, let's see if I have it on my other sheet here. They would be up uh, a, a lot less. <laughs> it's probably the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Um, so one thing I was also trying to figure out is how much of their operating income was driven by the extra amount of the Saudi deal. And how does it compare kind of year over year if we took it out? Um, and, and what I had to assume is let's assume the margin on the media segment is the same, regardless of whether Saudi money's in there. So it was about 15.8%. Uh, and so if we just assume that it really is 15.8%, then we would probably drop our overall operating margin for this business from maybe 12% over the last four quarters to 112 or it would drop from 116 for this one quarter to 7.5. Yeah. So it, it would be a, a substantial drop. And o adjusted OIBDA would be down. Um, I figure it would be down, you know, anywhere from, you know, it'd be down by almost $45 million. So honestly, what's what's the number in adjusted OIBDA you think without without $45 million of, of Saudi money? Is that shown for here? this for this quarter? Um, I just want to compare. I that did it. To I did it for last Q4 year. rolling number. Yeah. Um, but it would just be. Uh, da, 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 da. Have to subtract these last couple quarters. Look at all this math for for anyone listening on the audio only version. Look at this. This this math is unbelievable. You can see this Excel spreadsheet just going to work live before your eyes. Mookie's probably I'm only sure using about. the keyboard for this too. By the way, no mouse, no mouse needed. Mm -mm. Yeah, I don't believe in mouses. Mice. Um, mice. Yeah, I don't like my number for this. I feel like you've asked me a question that somehow I should be able to answer easily, and now I can't. Um, we'll get back to that. Yeah. Well, the moral of the story is, I think adjusted OIDA would be weighed down. I'm just curious to compare that to what was adjusted OIDA in, in Q2 2017 compared to Q2 2018, and you know, take the oil money yeah. away. How are they doing? Yeah, I mean, adjusted OIBDA in Q2 of 2018 is 43.5 million, and in in 2017 was 24.3 million. So it yeah. increased by you know 20, almost 20 million dollars. I think 19 million dollars, and a lot of that would have been the difference of just the Saudi money. Yeah. Um, specifically, you know, when I look here also at what has happened for. Uh, Overall, adjusted OIBDA over the last um, the last four quarters. So, and and like the, I, the, this this greatest Royal Rumble event probably wasn't well. Yeah, I guess it was. I, I'm trying to say that it wasn't very expensive for WWE, but they still had to pay. They probably had travel, to travel. Yeah, the, they had the, the to pay talent. all the stadium uh, fees of bringing all their stuff over there and getting it set up. All that you know, assumably all those fireworks and things like that that they were doing. Yeah. Um, and then just all the, the the cost of getting everybody there, taking all the the opportunity cost of all the people they had to bring over to mm -hmm. uh, that couldn't be working on other things and had to get get travel there. Yeah. I, I found that over the last four quarters, um, WWE's operating income was about one hundred and three point nine million. And my estimate is, if you took out the Saudi money, it would probably have dropped to about ninety two point eight million, mm -hmm. which is a difference of about eleven million dollars. Mm -hmm. So. If we were to say Q2 would not have been 21.2, 
it would have actually been about 10.1. It actually would have been down quarter over quarter. Yeah. Because last year is 10.7. So my argument would be operating income would pretty much be flat for WWE year over year if it wasn't for the fact that they, they had this Saudi money to, to kind of offset a lot of that. Yeah. So I guess the, the moral of the story to me is that the, because they made this deal with this, the, the government in Saudi Arabia, um, their business looks a lot stronger than it really is. It's still doing okay without it, but it looks really strong with it. Um, and they're going to go back there probably in November and get even you know several more million dollars out of that. And uh, no women will be on that show either, probably. But hey, there's a W Evolution pay per view, so hey, it's all it's all okay. The women are are going to have their own show. So what what do we think about like the timing of, of that pay per view being announced? Is as, as most people listening probably know, this past Monday, Stephanie McMahon made history and announced that there's going to be a women's only pay per view W Evolution. Uh, do you recall the date? We can look that up real quick. But I think that, it's right in the beginning of October, isn't it? Yeah, it's in October. Um. So, so that's happening, and then so there'll, there'll be a, a pay per view that will, will be all women, and then the women will get a fee for that, surely. But then they won't be involved in the uh, the November event in Saudi Arabia. They weren't involved in the uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble. So, I, I think it's. Uh, I think we were talking about it a little off air. It's like this is a, is it kind of a PR move? Well, of, of course it is. But like, to what extent? What goes into that decision making process? I guess to. Oh, hey, let's announce that we're going to do this women's only pay-per-view to sort of take the heat off of us about we're, we're making this deal with Saudi Arabia that doesn't even let us bring the women, you know, on the show. Well, I think you're right in the sense that it's a way to save face. Uh, two things with this. Number one, if this deal is $45 million or $60 million, that is such an enormous revenue stream for WWE. You can see why they're reluctant to um, – use a morality standpoint and just stand up and say, nope, we refuse to take it because it's such a large amount of money. Number two, they have been pushing their direction towards the women's evolution, the the women's revolution, the give divas the chance, all those things for years. So I don't think that the two are linked at the hip. I think they would have done a women's only pay-per-view uh, this year or next year, either way. Specifically, when you look at kind of, again, the increased role of someone like a Michelle Wilson, yeah. because she has obviously been a, a strong advocate for for this stuff. You know, she bothered to show up at the women's uh, at the Royal Rumble and sit behind and and be on camera there watching the women's Royal Rumble this year. Yeah. And so I, I don't think it's a PR move in the sense that it's designed just to deflect attention from the Saudi show. I do think it is a PR move in the sense that they now have something they can tell the workers and they can tell analysts and other people about, oh, it's all the same. It's, it's not a big deal that they're not there and that, you know, we're dealing with these cultural norms. Um, I think, you know, just the fact that they got so deep into May Young Classic and other ideas at the time, it makes sense to hold the finals of a tournament like that at a big women's pay-per-view and other things. So it, it, to me, it's just part of kind of their larger decision that they made around splitting pay-per-views and going back to the consolidated pay-per-views and now reducing the number of pay-per-views that you, you have to find a way to kind of keep things interesting during the second half of the year as well. Yeah, they, they certainly have enough talent and enough female talent to, to do an all-women's show. Um, uh, they, they, they have barely for a while. have female talent. Well, yeah. Because I, I, I think they promised something like fifty superstars would appear, which means you have to you have to scrape a little bit to get there. Well, I mean, you don't need fifty women to run an all on all women's show. You need like eight, you don't, eight. but I think they actually gave that number out, saying yeah. how many would appear. Sure. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about like, well, why, why announce it now? Um, I mean, I, th- I, I think part of this is, is, is the total wrestling culture of, you know, wrestling in, in the U S which is largely influenced by, by WWE. Like, you know, there's been all women's shows in Japan forever. And they've, you know, obviously all Japan women did the Tokyo dome in 1994. Um, but you know, they, they could have done this, uh, a little earlier than, than they did. And, uh, but, uh, I, I think it's like, oh yeah, we're, we're doing the Saudi Arabia thing. It just makes too much sense to, to do it now. Well, um, and they also could include it as part of their Q2 announcement. I mean, exactly. it, it was in the press release for right. Q2 right. as a key highlight for the year. Right. They mentioned the fact that they get some Saudi money here, you know, or that they're working in partnership with the Saudi thing. But then in like the next paragraph, there it is the first ever all women's pay-per-view event, WWE, evolution that's right you and know they, they, gets, they are focused on making sure that they can coincide some of their biggest announcements with when they're going to get the most attention and hell the stock is so hot right now it gives them more attention and so for all they they know they can start telling everyone hey everyone's so excited about the women's evolution pay-per-view look how hot our stock got yeah and i think there's there's something uh not not so much a cause but i think there's something ironic about all this this stuff about women's wrestling and this all women's show and hey, we, we announce it ourselves. The McMahons all come out and they make this announcement. And it's Stephanie McMahon who's making this history. It's, it's, it's sort of ironic that it's, that there's Saudi Arabia somehow involved in this. And, uh, hey, hey, you know, all, all the stuff in Saudi Arabia about, uh, the, the, the women's ban being lifted on, on them being able to drive. But the Saudi government wants to make it sound like it's, you know, it's really the government that made this decision. It's not, not anything about, you know, protests or, or you know, people, you know, doing demonstrations and, and, and causing change. This is not about this, the little people here. This is all about the, the big people making the big decisions and, and deciding to, you know, honor you and, and give you this permission. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that was kind of um, interesting to me is when they started talking about on the call, Laura Martin asked George straight up, how is the health of the company when it comes to attendance? Cause I look at your attendance numbers and they look like they're dropping. And so what she's referring to is the fact that if we go to the KPIs, we go down to the section on attendance and we look here and we say, let's compare quarter over quarter. The red bars are 2018 and the blue bars are 2017. And so it says here that in 2018 Q2 WWE averaged 5,000 people, uh, for domestic house shows outside or domestic shows, including TV shows outside of WrestleMania. Last year, that number was 5,500. So that's negative 10%. Last quarter, it was 5,400 versus 6,000. So again, negative 10%. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of declines. You know, if you look at the, the year over year trend here, it looks like it's a downward sloping thing. And then he said, don't worry about it. George, George, I, I don't have George's exact quote here, but it was basically over a 12, uh, 12 month annual rolling basis. There's no issues going on. So I went ahead and fact checked George. I went back and it's, it's surprising to me how difficult it is to get all the numbers you need to be able to say what was attendance by quarter at a good precision level. Because you have to kind of roll together all sorts of different things where you have to look at the KPIs, you have to look at the 10 Qs, you have to look at the 10 Ks, because the 10 Qs only come out three times a year. You have to combine all these different things to get these numbers, but then eventually you do get them. And so what I did is I found uh, total live attendance, number of NA events, number of uh, uh, the, the average. average attendance for North America the average ticket price for North America, the number of international events, the average international attendance, and the average international ticket price. 
And uh, I went through all these things. And then I said, let me come up with four years of comparison. And we'll use a rolling time period. So it starts in Q3 and ends in Q2. So I can compare four different periods. So from 2014 to 2015, 15 to 16, 16 to 17, 17 to 18. So total attendance. Um, in 2014 to 2015, when you start halfway through the year and go to the second half of the, the next year, there's about 1.9 million people who came to events. That's 268 events. That's an average of 7,200 people. Next year, the number went up 2 million, 2.05, 269 events. So only one more event held. Attendance actually went up 7,600. Year after that, 2.2 million people. So that's a higher number, right? That's a good number. Mm-hmm. 303 events. Uh-oh, our attendance dropped to 7,200. Well, this year, over the last four quarters, they've averaged 2.086 million people. Or they have an average. They've 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 amassed. Total. They've ran 317 events, and this does not include NXT. This is ex- exclusive of NXT. Yeah, main and roster they, only. Main roster only, and they have dropped to 6,582 people per show. Now that is an incredible number when you compare it to New Japan, when you compare it to Ring of Honor, when you compare it to TNA, when you compare it to any other wrestling organization in the world. Uh, for an average to average 6,582 people per show. Yeah. So that's a bigger, that that just that average is bigger than all, but the biggest shows that new Japan runs. Yeah. Yeah. Like their, their cow palace show did this once. Yes. And that was it. Even in Um, Japan, even in Japan, 6,000 is a, is a big show for them. Yeah. They average about 2,500 according to my calculations. Uh, when, especially when you, you X out the Tokyo dome. Yeah. Um, but that number is down 10%, 9.5% decline. And when you look at it on a North American basis, it's about a, uh, a 2% overall decline and a 7% per event decline. So their average shows, we're averaging 5,900 for North America, then they dropped to 5,700, and now it's 5,400. And internationally, the 69 events that they've done, and they did 69 events last year as well, so it's not even more events, they're down 16%. They dropped from 6,600 to 5,500. Yeah. When George was asked about this, he said, oh, it's just venue mix. It's just venue mix. Don't and, and you know, you could argue, okay, internationally, maybe that is venue mix. Is, is maybe there is a big difference between do you run India? Do you run China? Do you go to South America? Do you run more events in Europe? I'll call that venue mix. That's fair. But what I don't agree with is to say that in North America, it's really venue mix right now because – the fact that they've lost 7% of their average attendance year over year after holding steady for a while and they've added more events to me starts saying, wow, what else are they doing? And the other thing that will jump out when you start looking at this is ticket price. We go back to 2014, our ticket price or WWE, the average North American ticket price was sitting at $49. The next year it shot up to $53. The next year, it shot up to $58. The next year, it shot up to $58. The next year, it, it's um, sitting much, much higher. Uh, you know, this quarter was $82 compared to last quarter. This time was $78. Last quarter, the time before was $82. And the quarter before that was $47. But 62 is probably the relevant quarter to look at. So what I'm what I'm afraid of is basically WWE, their, their, uh, their value, their their for live events has gone way up, mm-hmm. but that has come at the expense of basically beginning to lose some attendance. And I think they, they need to recognize right now that they could be at that inflection point. 
Yeah. So why is this happening? I think because they're, they're pursuing, obviously, a price-volume mix model. Mm-hmm. So part of it is that they decided, hey, I'm going to try to run more events. I'm going to try to price up my tickets at each of the events. I'm going to try to squeeze more money out of the hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. I was reviewing um, one of WWE's old investor presentations yesterday, and it was – you know what the ratio in their mind is in the United States between casual and lapsed fans as a group versus hardcore fans? I don't know. They, they Half the population is a casual fan to them. Well, half the population is, is a fan. Mm-hmm. So, so half the population is a non-fan. Half of it is a fan. And then you have three subgroups within fans. You have casual, you have lapsed, and you have hardcore. Mm-hmm. So, or they don't call it hardcore. I don't remember what they call passionate. it. Passionate. Um, passionate. Yes, thank you. So what is the ratio, do you think, between passionate fans and that other group of casual or lapsed? One to two, one to five. What what number? What do I think it is, or what I think they think it is? Well, what did they? What do you think they're claiming? I think they think. Uh, I don't know. Fifteen percent passionate. Uh, I have trouble even parsing. Like, what's the difference between a casual and, and, a, and a lapsed fan? But yeah, and I'm not. I'm just putting them into one group. To yeah, be honest. yeah, but let's let's imagine we know what that means. Fifteen percent passionate. Let's say. Uh, 20% lapsed and, uh, the rest casual. I don't know. So that would put, uh, that would put about 35% in your one category yeah. and then 15 in the other. Yeah. So a little less than a one to three ratio. I believe when I reviewed it, it was actually a one to four ratio, mm-hmm. meaning they thought there was four times more, uh, or three times more really, uh, uh, the group of people that are out there that are just casual or lapsed. I think it was like 10 million in one category, 30 million in the other two categories. Uh, or I'm sorry, 40 million in the other two categories, and then about 50 million on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that just struck me to say that in WWE's own mind, they're only getting about a quarter of the people that they could get for wrestling. And what are they doing now is that they're raising the ticket prices on that quarter of the group that they can get higher and higher and higher. And as a result, we're seeing attendance start to drop. Now, for them, it's a valuable thing because they're getting more more revenue. But what I think is going to be important is that if their three projects and their three objectives continue to be, like George said, one, grow the audience, two, uh, uh, maintain the audience you have, deepen the engagement you have, and three, monetize the product, well, you know what? They're going to make so much money on the TV deal that they need to spend a lot more time thinking about what the heck is the point of a live event and who do they want to come to live events? Because I, I do think it's going to hurt them in the long run when they're running Monday night house shows that are drawing, you know, 1200 people. And that when they're pricing people out of the marketplace to create this new generation of people that want to watch live events for wrestling. Yeah. But, but I mean, like what, what's the ultimate cause here about uh, why attendance is down? Like what, what draws people to what makes people want to go to a, a W live event or decide not to? I think it's uh, it has a lot to do with who are my favorite wrestlers going to be there, and we can think right off the bat. Well, John Cena is not working that many house shows anymore, and then you know we know that John Cena. We've got studies out there that show that John Cena is a, a real strong house show draw. He's not on shows that much anymore, and uh, meanwhile on TV you've got. Um, I'm just going to adjust this audio. And meanwhile, on TV, we've got, you know, Roman Reigns. They're trying their hardest to make Roman Reigns this big star. And uh, he's, he's a big star to, to a degree, but he's certainly not the star uh, that, that John Cena was. And there's a lot of fan backlash o- over what they're doing with the TV and, and what stars they're pushing. 
And I think that- and, and when you think about how high wrestling skews when it comes to the different demographic groups, it always skewed the highest with the lowest income uh, demographics. Mm-hmm. And so to me, you are running a fool's, fool's errand if you continue to kind of drive out your your more ardent fans if they cannot afford to bring their family to a wrestling event. Yeah. And so uh, especially with this new model with TV rights, I do think they should be really rethinking whether or not that they may have uh, pursued the strategy of price over volume or price and volume over, you know, actual raw attendance a little bit too much. And that's the kind of thing that I think Vince McMahon as a promoter, he was always obsessed with, you know, what is the attendance going on at these events and using that as a core metric for the health of his business. And so I do hope that when we're getting back to our initial discussion, what is the connection between a George Barrows in this world is I hope he wouldn't say, hey, it's all fine. It, it, it's venue mix. Don't worry about it. Rather than saying, oh, my God, this is something I really should be thinking about, because even the least, you know, even the woman who, re- who refers to our developmental league as next. Uh, who's, who's an analyst, not somebody who works for the company. But yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think George's response should be to that question? I mean, if you're in you're in the you're on this conference call, you're in this PR mode or investor relations mode. What do you say to that? Like, is there a better answer to that other than uh, don't worry about it? <laughs> the venue mix is, was was the reason. Well, I think you could you could honestly answer the question by saying, well, look, hey, last year we ran over the last quarter here, we ran 317 uh, 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 events, and the year before we only ran 300. And I want to make it clear that we are so dedicated to growing our business. We've increased the number of events and the number of places we go in the world by 5%. And this year, we're going to run a total of, you know, come up with some huge number. Uh, uh, Let's see. NXT last year ran a total of, let's see, I have the number on my spreadsheet here, Um, ran a total of 189, I'm sorry, 188 events last year. So if you assume that they have already run a total of 386 other events and then we add in the nxt events that they've run which i should have here uh, for the last four quarters they ran a total of 194 nxt events over this time so you could i would just talk about the fact that you know we ran 580 events this past year and we are continuing to go into new markets around the world and what we're seeing in in america is a combination of our opportunity that we've used to raise our ticket prices and to make sure that we're being able to monetize and give the best experience to our fans to put smiles on their faces. And you know what? You're absolutely right that we are going to continue to monitor this and make sure that we understand that we have the best opportunity for people. And hell, I've created this new program called the WWE VIP experience that does this. And I've made this opportunity for young families to do this and, you know, just really break it down as a way that you're talking about it in a meaningful way, rather than you're just talking about it and a don't worry about it. Look over here. And uh, the, the one thing that you were saying about John Cena and, and other stars really made me think it's so deceptive to me that the GSA money is in here because people then look at it and immediately say, oh, so-and-so is a star. So-and-so is driving up money on, on this element of the business. When we look at it, live events is flat this over the four quarter, four, uh, the last four quarters compared to the four quarters before it. It's not growing right now. You know, it was 109, um, 109.4 this quarter over the last four, and a year ago it was 109.3. It's absolutely dead flat. And so to me, 
In fact, internationals dropped three million. Uh, I'm sorry, that was the North American number. Internationals dropped three million, and ticket and advertising and sponsorship is down by point one, and the other category is up by like one point three million. So I'm seeing live events as stagnant in my book, mm-hmm. and maybe stagnant's okay because it's healthy. But I would just say I would really, really push back on the idea that everything's fine. Look somewhere else. Yeah, I, I don't think that's an honest answer. Yeah, I think it's it's money left on the table if. Uh... Their TV did a better job of creating stars and, and ma- making more wrestlers fans' favorite wrestler. Uh, you'd have more ticket sales. You'd have a, a if this product was perceived as cool and had a, a a better relationship with its fans. It had more goodwill with its fans. You'd have it would be a cooler product. You have more kids getting into it. You'd be giving birth to more fans that are going to be fans long term. Still got some of that, and their business is okay. But it it is what it is here. And you've got such enormous TV rights. You've got things like oil money coming in that it makes you have little incentive to to change very much. Um, what I would love to see them do is if they ever did go back to splitting out their revenue by various sources, because I think there's a very strong argument that hey, uh, the four quarters ending in Q2 2015 and the four quarters ending in Q2 2016, they only did about 55, 57 international events. Last two years, they've done 69. Harry in the chat wants to to know, too many events a factor? And what's the domestic versus international breakdown in terms of added events? I think you're about to talk about So they added about, yeah, then that was what I was getting to. They've added about 12 international events a year, and they've added somewhere on the scale of 34 to 50 domestic events mm-hmm. so it's mostly domestic that um you're going to see the added events coming from but they've added about 12 international events which is is down from where they were maybe 10 years ago when they had a ton of ru- a big run in in europe but it's up from where they were a last couple of years and what that says to me is that you do have marketplaces like china india um uh, sometimes the Middle East, where you're running events that you would not necessarily categorize as core markets for this con- for this business, or but they're emerging markets, right? Same with South Africa. They ran uh, this last year, and they haven't run there for a while. Um, there's certain marketplaces that they like to go to. And so I do think it would make more sense if you're saying, let's look at UK market, let's look at the European market, let's look at all the other countries of the world market, or even, you know, the Japanese market and and create this definition of these are developed wrestling markets, these are undeveloped wrestling markets, and then compare them a little bit more. But the fact that we're seeing, and I go back to my attendance spreadsheet here, 16% decline on international attendance and a 7% decline. And this is not a one quarter number. This is four quarters over four quarters. I, I just it, it to me, it, it should just give you a little bit of a twinge of pain about maybe they've overexpanded. And this would include ideas like, hey, let's run 205 Live house shows. Let's run, you know, other ideas that that maybe are going to be OK for the marketplace here and and Monday night house shows for Smackdown. And it's just always that question of are you beating up the guys for the value you're getting if television is your main deal? Keep in mind, they're getting four million dollars a week for Smackdown pretty soon. So a $4 million show. I mean, we were just talking about it last week. Wasn't it that there was never even a WCW show that did a, a, a million dollars on, on live gate? That's right. They did a few $900,000 gates. Of course, this is all late 90s money. But yeah, they, they never did a million dollar gate in WCW. Yeah. So it's just that idea of being like, you know, now SmackDown and it's not it's a gate versus live event. So it'd be pay-per-view really that we should compare it to like the, the Starcade or something. But it's just funny to me that it's like now every week SmackDown is going to be doing a $4 million value if you really think about it. Yep. 
Which is like what were they, what are they doing right now? You think, in terms of like what, per episode, how much do they get today? Yeah. Well, we could actually figure it out. So on our our sheet here, we get a number for core content rights. It says our core content rights worldwide are uh, sixty six point two million for this last quarter, mm-hmm. and you figure that's going to be about twenty six shows, right? Because it's thirteen Raws and thirteen Smackdowns. Yep. So if I divide it, it's about two point five million per show. So how do you break um, – what, what's the worldwide. ratio? And then we figure that um, domestically, let's say about 70 uh, – let's say 60% of our money is domestic. Oh, maybe a one and a half million is my guess. And especially if we think about it being about 4 million and we know that it's increased by 3.6 or 2.6 yeah, might right. be a better estimate, be about 1.5. So yeah. I think we're, we're getting to the same number either way. Yeah. A million per show. Yeah, I get, if, you, if you just divide like four million divided by three point six, I get one point one. Well, I'm doing it by 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 two point six because the one of those factors is already included okay. in itself. Okay. If I was doing a hundred, yeah, I, I I really they say three point six. I really think the the number that you and I should use is closer probably to two point six. Okay. And and then I get one and a half million. Yeah, and I think that's closer to what, you know, if I say here 66 million divided by 26 shows and I say that I'm I think about 60% of it's domestic, I get one and a half million as well. Yep. So, I got it two different ways. One and a half million is kind of where I'm landing. Mm-hmm. And again, it's 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 always different because, you know, SmackDown gets probably the SmackDown money that they got when they signed up the original contract. Then they went lot then they moved to moved to USA and then they went live. So, we don't know if they got more money each time they did that or raw edit a third hour all that kind of stuff yeah so but it just strikes me to say it's a big increase for wwe uh for where they are uh overall though the health of some of these other things they're they're not as as strong as maybe in a continuously escalating uh valuation would would justify um here's the social media numbers if we look at the difference on the blue line which is the the uh twitter is is twitter yeah so five million account creation years before 10 11 9 7 6 or 6 uh 9 million 9 million 12 million that's the averages over the last like 10 quarters and this one they did five which is half of what they've grown every other time Facebook's growth is even more anemic they only did 2 million new accounts whereas the quarter before they did 10 and going back, they were averaging more like 10. And part of that is because Mixed Match Challenge kind of stopped. And you can see the difference between when you're doing a big show on, on Facebook and when you're not. But to me, that's a little bit alarming in the fact that they believe so strongly in social media. And to me, this says, hey, things are slowing down some. And maybe you're reaching a new normal, a new saturation point. But maybe you're also, you know, getting to the point where a uh, uh, bot and locked account and fake account creation is not going to be able to kind of drive your numbers astronomically higher every single quarter. And in addition, maybe just like the attendance number, this should be a red flag that someone should say, hey, I need to deal with this today rather than be shameful about it in a year from now. Yeah. Well, as we know, you did an article on this that the, you know, Twitter did this crackdown on fake accounts or but whatever But that was for was. this quarter. 
Oh, that's right. So this wouldn't even. Yeah. Be, oh, okay. That's, I didn't My, that. what, okay. What others have mentioned to me tangentially is that there have been other Twitter crackdowns over the last year here. Yeah. That they are going after other sets of accounts. Hmm. But um, no, that would not even include the change for this time, hmm. in my opinion. So yeah. that is that's a concern. I, it, I, with, I, with Twitter itself, like I, I, I kind of know this off the top of my head. Twitter users have kind of plateaued in terms of the, that, that entire platform. Their, their user base has not grown to the extent that Facebook has. I guess we could look into like how's Facebook user growth going oh, yeah. and uh, and how's that compare? I guess that, that would be like the comparison to do, right? Is like take quarter to quarter, take these numbers, WD's numbers quarter to quarter and compare them to the, to the percentage differences of Twitter and of Facebook quarter to quarter, which that's that my can... goodness. I, if only we had a new media expert in yeah. here who, who was good at being able to take his stock portfolio and uh, not only do that, but look at those filings for that stock portfolio and say, hey, I bet your Facebook reports every quarter how much yeah. people. The other one I would love you to look at it, when you do that, if you could also do a, um, a graph that included Netflix. Okay. I would love to see what the Netflix numbers are domestically and internationally. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, we'll, uh, we'll do the, this will be the, my homework assignment for next weekend. Excellent. Excellent. So okay. for for those of you who uh, listen to the premium show and are like, well, what's the value of listening to this Ooh. extra show? It's because I sign your right. homework. That's right. This and, is the TV uh, show. That's the pay-per-view. You, you, you got to buy the pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, just uh, any other kind of big takeaways here for this last quarter? I'm just going through the statements and the, the, the biggest things, um, you know, George's, I'm sorry, uh, Vince's comments for the quarter were pretty anemic. He he seemed very lackluster and out of energy. Yeah. Um, he We've read some from sort the slide of uh, tournament here. Anything else? A tournament of sorts, the uh, May Young Classic. Uh, we announced the W Evolution, which will be an all women's pay per view. We're going to do Super Showdown in Australia. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to have the most talent that's ever appeared on that continent. Yeah. They're doing localized stuff in, in Spanish, Portuguese, yeah, I, German, I, I thought Arabic. This was really interesting, especially the fact that Portuguese is mentioned. Mm. Brazil. Because Brazil, yeah. And so I'm wondering if this is part of the, the uh, Fox Sports Latin America deal they have or whether this is a specific deal with a Brazilian broadcaster or what. Uh, but that really intrigued me. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious when they say we're producing WWE now in Arabic, you know, are they producing that in house here? Or are they producing it in, um, in, uh, like OSN or someone else overseas is doing it? Yeah. We don't uh, know. Not so much that it makes a big difference, but I'm just kind of curious myself. Um, one thing that really intrigued me and, uh, something I've been bringing up is, uh, in the earnings statement, let me see if I can find it. Capital. Yes, this one. So they mentioned that in early 2018, management discussed a step up in capital expenditures to uh, build out. Can you zoom in on that? What's that? Can you zoom in on that? Yes. There we go. Is that better? Yes. Uh, To build out the the company's video production infrastructure and support the company's growth. The company has decided that that spending – to delay that spending as plans continue to evolve. And no, it, it doesn't mean that that's a new new home for Evolve. But um, what what that interests me is basically then they admitted, well, we told everybody we were going to spend a lot of money. And then we didn't go and spend it. And at the same time, hey, everybody, we're going to be able to raise our outlook 
by uh, uh, to 160 to 170, and that's going to beat our old outlook of 150. And so if you really think about that, what they did is they said, hey, we're not going to spend five or $10 million. And by the way, our outlook is now five to $10 million better. We are doing an excellent job in our business. Hmm. And, and that's a little bit of smoke and mirrors in my book because you are, you're basically telling people, Hey, we're going to spend a lot of money and then you're not doing it. And then you're coming back and being like, look, I can improve my profit. Hmm. Well, you didn't, you, you told us you were going to do one thing and then you did something else. So it, it's not so much an impress. I should be impressed that you're really good at managing everything as much as I should be impressed that you're really good at being able to give us back the money that, that you're not spending. Yeah. This is like a, a general finance question, I guess, but like, is there such a thing as like too much profit? Like if you're, if you're making all this profit or adjusted to EBITDA, whatever you want to measure it as, is there a point where like you should be saying as a company, why aren't we doing more with this, this money that we've got here to reinvest it in the company to make the company even stronger? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think that, that, you know, there's a lot of management that's been written on that about how much of it should go to stockholders, how much of it should be going to reinvestment. And, you know, that's the whole idea. And how much should go to, you know, the equivalent of an R&D type thing. How much of it should we go to the pay of the wrestlers? Yeah. Well, I mean, you could all, almost say that maybe some of it is 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 similar to, you know, instead of calling it R&D, let's call it a combination of social media. Like that the digital media will be half our R&D budget and the other half will be uh, some amount of the performance center. Of just money that we're spending on talent that we don't know whether it's ever going to pay off. Yeah, but um, that that was just another thing that kind of stuck out to me. And then the last piece is, uh, and this was something that just really jumped out to me when I was looking at, at typing in all these things here: the stock comp numbers. So this is how much um, of the uh, uh, stock compensation numbers are being boiled into WWE's. Uh, uh, operating income to adjusted OIBDA, a walk. What, so it, they what always is stock have compensation? Kind of is it this dividend payments? So, no. So what they have here is they have kind of three lines. They have um, adjustments, which is going to be things like when they do non-recurring, non-cash abandonment charges. There's going to be the depreciation and amortization, and then there's going to be the line that they call stock comp. And my belief of what stock comp meant was, I don't know if it's defined here, uh, stock compensation is that I would think that this has more to do with uh, the the executive management compensation that they do, oh, like okay. the added costs. Stock compensation is a way corporations use stock options to reward employees. Employees with stock options need to know whether their stock is vested and will retain its full value even if they are no longer employed with that company. Yeah, so it's it, – yeah, stock bonuses. Okay, so so I – I guessed right on that one. So, and, and we do see like, and we do see every quarter we see those like the, the form four right form form fours will come out, and uh, each board each member of the board of directors gets some stock. Uh, all those top executives get reported as receiving stock. Barrios, Wilson, Dunn, and they and just others. sold all of theirs on the twenty third on Monday of this week. In fact, yeah. uh, all their options vested on the twentieth on a Friday, and we saw a huge sell off on the twenty third, which included you know Kevin Dunn selling millions of dollars, and George Barrios, and Michelle Wilson, and Mark Cowell or, or Cowell, Cowell and yeah. um, Stephanie McMahon, and Triple H, and lots of other people, Michael Selick. So uh, the stock comp cost in 2015 was 17.2. In 2016 was 18.2. In 2017 was 24 million. In 2018 was already 
um, is twenty two point five million. And if you look at it kind of year over year, it went from twenty one million to thirty three million already or thirty four million already. So their stock comp number has gone way up, even as the adjusted EBITDA number has jumped from 103 to probably 165 annually. And if you take out the the GSA money, probably still 154. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just interesting to me to say, you know, what we're also seeing here at the same time is that WWE is rewarding its top executives more and more, even as they hold back on spending on some of these things, which, again, you know, maybe it's the right amount to reward them, but maybe there could be an argument made that, hey, you should double your dividend. Hey, you should be reinvesting more in the future of what this business is going to look like. And maybe the point of not spending on this capital expenditure project is to have a better outlook for what the future is going to look like for WWE. So think, it's um, not all bad that they're not spending. It just it, I always, you know, I just want to make it clear to people that this quarter looks really good because they have a bunch of Saudi Arabia money. They chose not to spend the money that they said they were going to spend. And at the same time, their live event is kind of flat. Their consumer products are down. And it's all coming from the fact that they're just basically pushing more and more volume uh, through on television. And they get guaranteed escalation. Yeah. Do you think um, wrestler pay has increased to the same degree that uh, executive and uh, stock compensation has increased? Executive pay? Uh I cannot say. Uh, I would say that the payment to independent contractors probably has not increased at the rate that the payment to lawyers has. Yes. Yeah, I think it's unlikely. Yeah, I think it's unlikely as well. So uh, that's where we stand today. Uh, how long have we been broadcasting, Brent? We have you know? been broadcasting for one hour and eight minutes. Oh, well, that's great. Um, so let's just go back to our original topic, our, our, our starting thesis, our spart- starting discussion, George Barrios, does he have a good feel for this business? Is he a smart cookie or is he someone that you should be worried about uh, if he takes the helm of this company as Vince McMahon increasingly checks out? I, I don't think so. I think he, he, as far as the business side, just the guy who's really in charge of, of making decisions and driving the direction of what WD is going to do as far as, I don't know, it's like it's business infrastructure. I think he's done a great job, and, and we've inducted him into the WrestleMics Hall of Fame because of that. But I think unilaterally, you, you, well, we we by by we I mean I, and uh, <laughs> and uh, but I think you know the the, the big thing that's going to drive the the future and the, and the health of, of this company is uh, well TV rights. But after that, I think you've got to create some stars, and uh, I don't know this this company's done a lot to strengthen its brand and make it make its you know they they use the word moat I saw for the first time yes yes um, that they've they've created a moat around themselves at one point yeah, right you know it's it's all about strengthening this brand and bringing the McMahons out and the McMahons are the ones who, who make history and uh, it, there's not so much about making you know getting stars over except for the stars that Vince McMahon wants to get over. And uh, he and, and the fans kind of know what, what he's doing there, and they don't feel the same way about Roman Reigns as as he does apparently. And he's just he's got enough money and enough profit to be stubborn about it and to just insist on doing what he's doing. Uh, maybe Braun Strowman uh, is coming up, but then I don't know. They kind of like beat, beat Braun Strowman. Uh, you know, Brock Lesnar beat Braun Strowman last year. Maybe he's cooled off a little bit. He's become a little bit more of a caricature, just the guy who destroys things. But. Uh, we- and, and what I'd also say is, to me, it just comes down to the fundamental interplay between business to business 
and direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. And if you have a good understanding of how you're going to strengthen each of those, great. Mm-hmm. I think they've done an incredible job of improving their business to business financials. Yeah. You know, that's why when we look at that ratio of what's going to drive this business forward, it's about guaranteed contractual payments. That's wonderful for them. What I worry about is that they are completely losing the value of almost half their business around that DTC side. And there are changes. There are fundamental uh, uh, evolution that's going on in this business right now. And I worry about the fact that, you know, when you look at it, I was reviewing the old uh, Observer numbers. What did it say? 414,000 Bullet Club shirts were sold last year by Hot Topic. Yep. That's what we found. Yep. WWE would kill to sell 414,000 shirts of somebody uh, at at a secondary location like that. What, what does that and come out to in revenue? If say it's like twenty five dollars a shirt, fourteen four hundred fourteen thousand times twenty five dollars comes out to ten point three million dollars, ten point four million dollars. Yeah, and I would assume that you're getting maybe somewhere on the range of five to ten percent on that as the the, the holder. But so, you count you know, that, that as that revenue, be, right? What's that? You would count that as revenue, though. Yeah, but I'm saying that the, the value that New Japan actually gets is yeah. probably much less. Yeah, yeah. Is, is maybe 5 or 10% of that number. Sure. But, I mean, you could compare that to, like, venue merch numbers. The yeah. venue merch uh, this quarter was, what, $8 million? Is that what I'm seeing here? Yeah, $7.8 million. Uh, Yep, $7.8 million. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a non-negligible amount. You you would care about that million bucks. Yeah. And and, and, I, I and just the, the fact that, you know, uh, that we saw them try to copy it with the Balor Club. You know, yeah. it says a lot about the, the, the value of something like a Bullet Club out there. Right. And, and so I just I just worry about making sure that someone is thinking about both. Now, if it turns out that George is the guy that cares about the B2B relationships and Michelle is the, the woman who cares about uh, the DTC relationship and we strengthen both of them over time, great. Hmm. Then we're good. Yeah. I just want to make sure that, that that's on the minds of the people who are looking at this business right now. Hmm. And to me, when we go back and we see that graph, we say over this last year here, this is what has happened to this stock. Um, it just frightens me because part of me says, so much is baked into these numbers already. I don't understand what could be baked in that we don't know yet. And yet it keeps going higher and higher. As if to say, well, maybe India will exceed expectations and, and, and the UK. UK will exceed expectations. And to me, I keep thinking, well, if if it's possible for it to go higher because it exceeds expectations, doesn't mean it's possible for it to crash when it doesn't exceed expectations. Yeah, I, I, when news about UK, U, UK will be first, right? UK will be, will yes. be out by the end of this year. Yes. India will be out by the middle of next year. I think we could see uh, some disappointment with, with either of those deals. Uh, it's, it's not going to be the degree of crash that we saw in 2014, though, because it's, it's, the U.S. deal is, is done, you know, and that's by far the biggest. So there, there could be some crash here when, when news but, about mean, those deals honestly, is learned. The number, what is it, the number two biggest deal for WWE today is GSA money. Bigger than, so that, that Saudi Arabia deal is bigger than the U.K. or the India TV deals on, a, on an annual <sighs> basis? Is that what you're saying? I need to go back to my notes and check. Um, and we're, we're going to guess, okay, say 50 million plus another 10 million at the end of the year, a total of like $70 million on, on a year. No, 60 million is my, my guess. Okay. 60 million net for a okay. year. So 60 million um, is bigger than an annual, than the total annual, the total payments in a year from either India or the UK. I think so. Mm. Got to go back and check my numbers. Okay. Um, but 
I, I think so. Yeah, that, I, that's a big deal. I, I could be wrong. That's a big deal. But uh, it's just that idea to me that it's funny that this this Saudi Arabia money is is technically their second largest deal, and most people can't even pull it out of their spreadsheet, their financial spreadsheets, because they, the way they're trying to hide it. Yeah. Well, they don't, they don't want Russell Knox to analyze it, so I understand. Yeah. So, and, and I've even you know when I talked to this reporter, he didn't understand that. And yeah. and the first thing he asked me is, well, is there other countries of the world that they're going to get deals like that for? Maybe that Australia deal. No. And you know what? When I heard Australia, what I did, hmm. I laughed, hmm. and, and I had to be like, "No, Australia is not going to go give them sixty million dollars like Saudi Arabia." Yeah, uh, Australia is not trying to divert people's attention from women's rights in their home country. Yeah, so uh, they'll give them a subsidy just the way at WrestleMania gets subsidies, but right. they're not going to give them a giant other. Well, what they need to do is they need to get a relationship with the DPRK. And uh, you know the DPRK needs to get some uh, some big you know global <laughs> PR campaign going so that p- people like their country better. And then, uh, hey, hey man, it happened in 1995. You know, maybe maybe uh, DKRP or DKRP, the, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. We're talking about North Korea here, of course. Yeah, chosen in Mankangkuwaku is oh, the, wow. uh, the the native language name. I was I, I represented North Korea for Model UN. Uh, for several years, uh, we were the PLO. We were uh, North Korea, and we were Cyprus. Oh my goodness, those were some of my favorite countries. But I especially enjoyed being North Korea mm. and uh, being so. Uh, yeah, um, but you know, I just read an article in the Washington Post today. I think it was about uh, somebody. No, maybe it was GQ. Actually, I think it was GQ, and it was about how somebody was at the big uh, Aspen conference. Uh, that's like a big security conference that's there. Mm-hmm. And their Uber driver would ask them every time that they got in the car all about North Korea to the point that they became worried that that woman might actually be a spy. Oh, wow. So, you know, maybe that's what. So it, it led me to think, you know, the next WrestleNomics initiative is that we should be recruiting Stanford, uh, Connecticut Uber drivers to yeah. be part of our information network. Well, there you go. That's something we can get on for next week as well. Um, but it, plus, it, plus, think of all those people who are going to Titan Towers. You know, right. you, you'd get uh, inside knowledge of all of them. Or you know what I could do? Just just go to to Stanford and just uh, I, I'm I'm a registered Uber driver or something, and 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 Lyft I've never given a ride, but I you know I could do some some covert action there. Um, but but seriously, this is this is concerning. If especially, and this is big news. I think if like if they're getting sixty million dollars a year, and that's bigger. If that really is bigger than than you know the annual value of the UK or India deals. Uh, then, then that's a really big deal. And if it's something that's so important that it's going to, you know, help them with their, the reporting of, of their, of their business, then they're going to, they're at risk to like start to become dependent on it. Right. And to, to make decisions that, that please that, uh, that business partner. And this business partner is, uh, I don't know, it's, this is a, a very, uh, morally fraught business partner that they're dealing with here. Well, I'm I'm pulling up. I, I stopped my screen share so I could uh, pull up some private email. Okay, and just try Ooh. to check some of my my old numbers that I used to email out to. Uh, you know, when Vince used to email me and say, uh, "Chris, what exactly is the size of our deal?" And I say, "Oh, Vince, here Vince. here's the numbers that you, uh, you 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 emailed me a while ago." Vince McMahon um, emails you from time to time. All the time. Oh. You know. In fact, okay, here, you want to get crazy here. Um. The combination of UK and India is equal to approximately the Saudi Arabia deal. Hmm. The combination—that's a big deal. 
Yeah. Uh, they're old deal, mind you. So 30 million plus. So like what year? What year are we talking about here? The last year of their deal. So 2017. Oh, no. I was talking about their 2019 number. Who's 2019 number? Oh, so, okay. The last year of the current cycle. Okay. Gotcha. In theory, my estimate. Yeah. My estimate. Hmm. Um, so, so, you know, it, 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 I would say if India or the UK doubled their deal, they'd be close to GSA money. And I just feel like that's a good example of where maybe we're, there's not enough transparency going through on this 10 year deal for people to understand that that is such a market mover. That's such a material difference. Yeah. So that, like that, that's, that's something that, that really should have, and maybe it already did. It should really affect the stock prices. Like, well, I would, yeah, I would argue the reason that things are so hot right now is because when you look at their value that they, they've generated for this quarter, it, it, it shocked people to see how could they be so high on, you know, how could they grow so much, uh, year over year. They grew from, uh, a, a four quarter number of 40, um, sorry, what number is this combined? 500.9 million was their, their media the last four quarters. And then this time around, it was 613.2. Mm-hmm. So they grew by a hundred million there. Now, if you took out the, uh, if you took out the GSA money, it was probably they, they grew to maybe 568. Now, 568 over the the last four, the year before, it's still a 13% growth. It's still a healthy amount of growth, but there's a big difference between when you're growing, um, what is it, 48%? Let me check here. What is it, that total number? Yeah, when you're growing 22% and when you're growing 13%. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it's a big driver for this quarter. And so that was part of the reason. And it's driving up their their outlook, obviously, a lot. And that's going to be a big part of it is is the $11, $11 million more of operating income that I'm estimating they're getting from this GSA deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I want to thank Harry, who, who did pull up some Facebook numbers for us here. Uh, and I just got to try to see if I can parse what this means. Facebook monthly active users Q2 up $38 million versus an average of plus 63 million over the three quarter prior quarters. So uh, they were growing almost at half the rate that they normally grew at. Mm-hmm. A little less than half, but yeah, or more than half. Um, Twitter Q2 Mao, I don't know what MAU stands for, do you? No. Okay. Uh, down 1 million versus average of, of plus 366 million, so that's not good. And then um, Netflix, monthly active users, MAU. Ah. And then Netflix is is eight million up versus six point three three okay. quarters. Yeah. So it looks like Netflix is growing much faster than others are. Though I know Netflix always has the international side to, to lean on a little bit differently. Right. And thank you, Harry. Yes, MAU. I figured it out. Yes. Um. So so to me, it says that Facebook growth for WWE might be in line with Facebook overall. I would love to see. And and again, their their mantra has always been to get a disproportionate share. Right. That they're doing better than they uh, get more than our fair share. Yeah, that's yeah. What they say and, and to their credit, that's the R and D they did five, seven years ago yeah. is the decision to go deep in social media yeah. and it's paying off for them in my opinion now, especially when it comes to younger fans, which are not captured by those television demographics. Yeah. I mean I, I strongly believe that whenever some new media emerges, one of the first things that can exploit the value of that new media is professional wrestling and the, the history of professional wrestling bears that out. Yeah, but at the same time, our presentation method of professional wrestling sometimes lags even more. Oh, definitely. You know that 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 you know it still looks like the 2010 product. Absolutely, it does. Especially when you've got no incentive to to really change and push that vision forward. 
So my, my dream team is, is George Berrios, Michelle Wilson, and Paul Levesque, and Paul Levesque in charge of creative. I, but I, seriously, I, th- I think this is, what is this, a $6.5 billion company? I, I don't know how to calculate it, but I think this is a, I don't know, maybe $7 billion company if you've got uh, somebody creating stars and, and driving creative who's, uh, who knows what, they're, knows what they're doing in terms of you know, drawing fan interest. All right, folks, uh, we're going to wrap note. up this call so Brandon can uh, uh, get back to packing and mm. get back to moving to South Town, Wanda. Yeah. Uh, you've been listening to WrestleNomics Radio. I'm your co-host, Christopher Mukigana-Harrington, joined by Brandon Howard Thurston yeah. in this little box right here for the last time by that wall socket, by that very loud air conditioning unit, by the uh, washing machine of doom. By yeah. the the uh, washing machine outside his window. That's right. We won't have that much ambient noise in, in this new apartment. There's a. I mean, I, th- I think it's a three home unit, but it's very much like this three home uh, house that's been um, very much remodeled, and it's in a uh, recovering section of Buffalo, New York. So, no, 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 no on site laundry to make noise. No air conditioner whatsoever. If, if there's going to be air conditioning noise, it's going to be, be for me purchasing my own air conditioner unit. So yeah. From now on, we'll be broadcasting. I will be broadcasting live from Buffalo, New York. P A T R E O N dot com slash WrestleNomics, $5 a month, and you get access to things like all of our financials, our spreadsheets, the other AV thing we did on this, mm-hmm. plus ability to uh, communicate with us all the time mm-hmm. and get all the new breaking news. And hopefully next week, I'm talking to you about my. Uh, the, the newspaper article where I was uh, terribly misquoted and uh, I started a feud with George Berrios that caused <laughs> WrestleNomics Radio to be kicked off the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Oh, that'll never happen. But, uh, yeah, but thanks to Harry and, and William, our, our good friend William, for, for joining us in the chat and giving us comments and questions. And, Thank uh, you, everyone. Yeah. Have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.